This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church podcast. For more information about us, who we are, and how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org. Today's message is delivered by Pastor Randy Roche. Congratulations, you have been elected. Weren't even running, were you? We're going to talk about election over the next four weeks, and not a local or a state or national election. It's not going to be about politics at all. It's going to be about your place and my place in God's kingdom. His kingdom here on earth that we call the church and his kingdom in heaven. And today we want to talk about how, how is that done? Our election, our being chosen. And it's important for us to talk about this because it, it, it really goes contrary to our, our common thought, our, our common initiatives. You see, we live in this merit-based life. Our lives, it seems, is, is contingent upon our abilities. If you want to go farther in life or higher on the corporate ladder, then, then you've got to perform. It happens among salespeople, doesn't it? If, if you're in sales, if you don't hit your quota, you don't get your bonus. It happens at work. Uh, If you work longer hours, you're going to get promoted faster. It's based on merit, performance. That's how life is. I have a friend in Las Vegas. Um, His son was just a stellar athlete, Um, was a star basketball player and football player in high school, and he really loved football, his dream was to play in the NFL. So he worked pretty hard when he was in high school, and um, he got a, a D1, a Division I scholarship to play football. And he did, and he worked hard so that he could be a, a starter. Even as a, a younger player in college, he started. And when he became a senior, he was invited to play in the Senior Bowl, which is kind of like the all-star game for college seniors. And then he was invited to the NFL Combine. Uh, that's where uh, college players have an opportunity to come and, and showcase their talents and their abilities. It was, during, it was during the draft this last year with the NFL that on a Friday evening, he got a call from the Green Bay Packers and said, we're going to draft you tomorrow. Just got to make sure you got your Packer hat ready. We have three picks, and you'll be one of them. The first pick on Saturday was not him. Neither was the second pick. And then there was the third. And lo and behold, it wasn't him. Long after the draft closed, about an hour later, he got a call from a different NFL team that said, we would like you to try out for our team. A non-drafted free agent. You're going to have to compete against some seasoned veterans. You're going to have to compete against those that we have already drafted, but we'll give you a chance. So he accepted their offer, and he went off to training camp and spent weeks in training camp, and he worked hard in practices and in scrimmages, and he made the 53-man roster. Odds were pretty much against him, but he made it. 
I called his dad to congratulate him, and, and I said, he made it. And he said, yeah, he got called in by the head coach, and the head coach said, we love your drive and your determination. We love your commitment and your performance. His father said to me, it was the world's longest job interview. It was all based on performance. That's life, isn't it? I mean, we learn that when we're kids and we're sitting at the table. You don't eat your vegetables. You don't get dessert. You'll get your phone back when your room is clean. You study hard enough. You get good grades. You'll get the academic scholarship. The reason I bring all this up is because it's real easy for us to believe that this merit-based, performance-based life fits into our spiritual life. We get, we get this feeling that if, if we're good enough, then, then we will be able to go to heaven. If we obey the rule, that we'll be able to get to heaven. Uh, when I was on my vicarage, my, my internship, uh, I was on, uh, in Oklahoma City, one of, the, one of the suburbs, and I rented a home, and the backyard butted up against the softball field of the public grade school. It was a perfect place for me to be as a bachelor, I had a little bit of extra time, so when I'd get home from work before dinner um, and on the weekends, I was the designated pitcher for the neighborhood kids. I was the honorary biggest kid of the neighborhood. So I would pitch and they would hit, and we were practicing one day, and Billy was up to, to bat, and I was throwing the ball to him, just trying to lay him over there, and he'd swing and miss and swing and miss. And Billy's mom cried out, Billy, it's time for you to come home for dinner. I said, Billy, you got to get going. He said, just let, I want to hit one. So I threw, and he missed, and we could hear again, Billy, dinner. Billy said, i got to hit one. So I threw it, and Billy hit it, foul ball. I said, you got to go home for dinner. He said, no, I need to hit a fair ball. I'm thinking, he's going to be late for breakfast. Billy, come home for dinner. Billy said, quick, one more. I threw it. Billy swings and misses. And then we hear this motherly voice up another octave that says, Billy, if you don't come home right now, Jesus will throw you in the fire. I said, Billy, you've got to get going or your mom's going to throw me in the fire. And by the way, Billy, Jesus loves you. Performance base. If you meet expectations, you'll be okay. But if not, look out for the fire. See, this is where the rich young ruler was in, in our reading for today. You see, he thought that he had done everything that would be needful to get to heaven. So he's pinned all his hopes of heaven on himself. And he, I think he's pretty confident when he goes to Jesus and says, okay, what do I have to do to get to heaven? He's going to make sure he's got all his bases covered. And he called Jesus good teacher. Did you pick that up? Hey, good teacher. And Jesus says, why are you calling me good? Only God is good. And he's saying, I think he's, he's hitting two points here. Number one, he knows that this, this rich ruler is really into himself and thinks that he's really good. And he's saying to the, to the rich ruler, you be careful now because you're elevating yourself to God. And then the second thing he's saying is, if you're calling me good, you better be prepared to call me God. Well, and then Jesus gets to those commandments, right? Make sure you're honoring your father and mother. Don't murder anyone. Don't steal. Don't 
bear false witness or defraud anyone. And, and, and the rulers, he's, as Jesus is chucking them out, he's checking them off, man. I did it, I did it. That one I did really good. I was really good on that one. And, and he's finding even deeper pride in himself. Did you notice which commandments Jesus quizzed him on? Commandments 4 through 10, they deal with our relationship with one another. One thing you lack, said Jesus. And then he went to the first commandment. Sell everything you have, give the money to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, then you can come and follow me. You see the challenge? The guy was counting on himself. He was looking for a, a merit-based eternal life. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 5, 48. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You want a merit-based eternal life, says Jesus? Fine, you, but you've got to be perfect to get it. We are conceived in sin. Psalm 14 says to us, there is no one that's good. No, not even one. Every one of us are sinners. Even if we committed only one sin in our entire lives, we're still sinners by nature as well as action. So if you're counting on getting to heaven on your own merits, it's got to be perfection. And it is true. It is absolutely true that only perfection gets us to heaven. And that's where Jesus comes in. In that same sermon on the mount in Matthew 5, verse 17, Jesus said, Do not think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So here's Jesus, and, and he's keeping company with sinners, you know, tax collectors and prostitutes, and he's announcing that their sins are forgiven, telling them to come and follow him. And, and there are some who, who must be thinking, what is this guy doing? He's proclaiming himself the Messiah, and is he throwing out the law? And Jesus says, no, I'm not throwing it out. I'm going to carry it out. I've come to do the things that you can't do. I've come to do all the needful things for salvation. And so he lives 33 years. Writer of the Hebrews tells us that he faced every temptation that we face, yet he never sinned. And he did this not for himself, but he did it for us. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. His righteousness becomes ours. And then as Jesus carries this, this cross through the streets of Jerusalem, he carries something that's even heavier than the cross. He carries the burden of my sin and your sin and the sin of the entire world. And as he's nailed to the cross, he cries out, Father, forgive them. He, he pays our penalty so that we can be the forgiven children of God. We are the righteous, forgiven children of the Heavenly Father, and the resurrection of Jesus proves that His sacrifice was accepted by the Father, and there's nothing that we can or should add to His work. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you get it? It's by faith in Jesus that we have been elected, chosen. Paul states that very clearly to the church in Ephesus, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God and not a result of work so that no one can boast. You get it? The grace of God sends His Son to do everything that's needful and then God gives us faith. Did you hear that? You're saved by faith and this, this, this faith isn't even your own doing. It's a gift from God, not as a result of works. It's not that I chose God. God chose me and you. Our first reading, the Israelites leave Egypt. They've been in bondage for over 400 years. And, and after these 10 plagues, they, they, they head out of town. And, and they leave and they find themselves between a rock and a hard place, specifically between the Red Sea and a charging army of Egypt, the most powerful army in the world at that time. And they pretty much think it's done. But the Lord says to Moses, lift up that staff and stretch out your arm and I will open the waters and the children of Israel on dry ground will go through the waters and I will rescue them. And he did. They were in the wilderness and made their way to the promised land. Same thing happened to us. In baptism, we had our water crossing where God rescued us from bondage to sin and Satan, death and grave and hell. In baptism, he gave us a faith that connected us to the life and the death and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he moved us now into this wilderness we call the world, but we're on our way to heaven. And it's not because God looked at the Israelites and said, they're worthy of saving. Not that God looked at us and said, what wonderful lives. God chose us out of his grace. So that now we have this confidence-based future. The, the rich young ruler, he was led to believe that all the things that he had accumulated was a symbol that God was impressed with him. And, that, and that's a common thought. Even today. Some of you have heard of Warren Buffett, one of the wealthiest men on the face of the earth. Uh, a handful of years ago, he decided he wanted to be a little bit more philanthropic. So he announced, I think it was 85% of his billions that he was going to give away to a variety of, of charities. And um, he picked five charities and he dispersed billions of dollars. And there, there was an interview done with him about why he did that. And I'm just going to give you one line out of that interview. Warren Buffett said, there is more than one way to get to heaven, but this is a great way. The modern day rich ruler. It was in 1994 when an inmate in one of the Wisconsin state prisons was beaten to death. His name was Jeff Dahmer. 
he was serving consecutive life sentences for the murder of 17 young men. Along with the report of Jeff Dahmer's death was that two pastors were ministering to him while he was in prison. And they said that the Lord gave him faith while he was in prison. Six months before he was murdered, he was baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, just as we were. And he acknowledged the faith in Jesus Christ. And the two pastors said, we'll see him again in heaven. The next day I was at the bank and I was making a transaction with the teller um, who is a Christian lady and she knew that I was a, a pastor and she said, Pastor, do you think Jeff Dahmer actually went to heaven? And I said, well, if, if he truly did, believe in Jesus. And she said, seriously, you really think he went to heaven? And I said, well, why wouldn't he? And she said, he murdered 17 people. I said, okay, if he murdered one person and then came to faith in Jesus, do you think he would be eligible for heaven? And she said, well, sure, of course. I said, well, what happens if he murdered two people and then came to faith in Jesus? Do you think he would be allowed in heaven? And she said, yeah, I think so. I said, well, what happens if he had murdered three people and then came to faith in Jesus? Would he be allowed in heaven? And she said, well, I suppose so. I said, well, what happens if he murdered four people and then came to faith in Jesus? Could he get into heaven? She said, where are you going with this? I said, I'm trying to figure out how many people I can murder and still get into heaven. And then we talked about how big is the forgiveness of Jesus? How deep is the love of Christ? How vast is the mercy of our triune God? Because there is no sin too big. There are no sins accumulated so great that Jesus cannot forgive them. And maybe we take a good look in the mirror every once in a while and what's reflected back to us says, no way does that deserve heaven. No way am I good enough for heaven. And the answer to that is, you're right. We do not deserve heaven. We have not earned heaven. We have not merited heaven. But Jesus did. That's the Christian faith. Faith in Jesus and everything that Jesus did where we failed is the gift of heaven. That's why John 15 verse 16 is so important. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You didn't work yourself up to me. I came down to work you up to me. Even before we were born, even before we were named, even before we were conceived, even before the foundations of the world were put in place, God chose us. He elected us. 
And it's all out of his mercy. All out of his grace. As Luther would say, without any merit or worthiness in me. So never doubt it. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you have done, do not doubt it. Do not doubt that Jesus loves you. Do not doubt that he forgives you. Do not doubt that he prepares a place for you in heaven. Do not doubt the faith that says all things are accomplished for you. Do not doubt the promise that you are on your way to heaven. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. We'll see you next week, and God bless.